and welcome back to another episode of Lost of Down. I'm your host, Stephen Weed, of course, always joining me in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Walter Lukashensky, my co-host. We want you to both know before I toss it to him that this episode is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code football for 20% off and free shipping. Wally, it was Memorial Day weekend this past weekend. I had a four-day weekend, so I was jazzed. But how was your holiday weekend, my man? It was awesome. We had family all over, great weather here, some good playoff hockey, some drinks as well. Plus, anybody out there that cares, Survivor 42 just wrapped up. My family got to kind of catch up on that. No one cares. I'm a big reality TV goon. I, Whenever I have time, I try to slide into Survivors and Big Brothers of the world pretty good season so for me it really couldn't have been much better i know we had some tough nfl news this weekend we'll be getting into here in a little bit but glad to hear that you would sound your four-day weekend was about as good as it could have been anyways yeah i'm still slightly recovering from it uh had a got to go see tame impala on thursday he was here in columbus with his band and got to perform as a little bit of a shit show getting in weather was horrible but he didn't go on until about 10 35 10 40 ish Went to midnight, got a bunch of complaints. It was awesome. Amazing show. He sounds even better live than he does on all of his released music. So I loved it. That led into Friday. We had some of Kylie's family come in because shout out to her oldest brother, Ian, and his now fiance, Miss Mary Beth McNamee, finally popping the question to her after nine years. So congrats to you two. Had a blast celebrating you. And well, the parts that I remember, and I'm sure you had a blast, the parts that you remember, which are extremely minuscule because they were hurting on Sunday. We got to go a little pool day, then Monday, nothing but stranger things. Holy shit. I haven't got to get into that yet. So don't spoil too much of the new season. But you're okay. You're caught up though. Yeah. Up until this year. Exactly. Shit pops off and it is darker than it usually is how they still have the tv 14 rating is a huge question mark for me that's all i gotta say to it that's perfect well okay first of all this has been a great i guess period of time for tv shows we just had ozark come out we have this out i'm a big peaky blinders fan that's around the corner letter candy guy they have the spinoff of shorzy that's out now it's going to be a great period of time for tv speaking of tv tonight we're recording actually while it's happening the match we're usually really high and excited about it, but I'm kind of over this, I, I guess, without having like professional golfers involved too. Yeah. It, it doesn't really do it for me. I'm kind of like not even like tuned in. I'm watching the Bengals uh, Steelers from like week nine or 10 on the TV right now instead. So are you watching well, it at least? Well, that's because it starts at 630. That's why it's on. But yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of lost its mojo here without having any professional golfers. And it wasn't like it, they were just throwing any professional golfer. They Tiger Woods was in it, Phil Mickelson was in it. You had Bryson DeChambeau, all people that were at top of their game or legends. And then you kind of just drop it down to people on the top of their game and legends in a completely different sport playing golf. So I like the idea of it, but it made it more entertaining and more likely for a larger crowd to watch when you had the professional golfers in there now granted yes tom brady is getting better you know each capital one's the match that he's in he's getting better at this point it looks like he's going to be in more of those than super bowls which is kind of uh, impressive to think about aaron Rodgers is basically i, I want to say a scratch golfer at least his handicap is extremely low so and josh allen haven't seen him pat mahomes i've seen him in a couple celebrity pro-ams he's not that bad but nothing to really 
nothing really to take home. So I don't know what to expect, but at the end of the day, these are four quarterbacks. The the quarterbacks bridging the league of the two old goats moving in and having the young, the young bulls come in and potentially have that title. Pat Mahomes more than Josh Allen. No offense, Buffalo Bills, but come on. Um, but they're still mic'd up. That's what they. That's what you want to hear. Things that we're not going to be able to hear as as NFL fans if we go to the Showtime um, F or what the sound the sound FX on ESPN or the Showtime where they get to show all the all the mic'd up players. This is different. They're talking a little shit, not cussing. Thank God we got some virgin ears watching. But I, I'm still going to have a blast with it. But I do wish that there was some sort of predominant golfer right now like throwing like a xander shoffley in with josh allen versus colin murakawa like anybody that worked the boy. Game. Like, i'm not afraid i'm brave i'm gonna just say i don't give a shit about this like i don't even know if i'm going to watch more than a couple holes uh, i'm gonna gamble on it well i mean yeah that's the only way to get involved into it like really care about it is to have money on the line otherwise it's just like watching four of us bums out there playing golf yeah, except they're like way better and way more athletic. But yeah, ah, no, I'm a scratch golfer. Yeah, you're scratching out the score, and making it an eight every single hole. Honestly, I'd love to take eights every hole. Yeah, on, uh, I, that actually doesn't sound too bad. Now let's get into the NFL news here. Before we do, this week's NFL news brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more. Especially if you're Wally and I's age, where college graduations, engagements, weddings, baby pictures, you name it. feels like they're happening every weekend for us. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself on abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Sawdad and Sapphire. Again, abbyturnerphoto.com. And while we're on the subject of one Miss Abby Turner, a.k.a. the Parlay Princess, as we know that she was diagnosed here with, with cancer not too long ago, fast forward to, I, I believe it was last week. Excuse me, Abby, I'm sorry. She went in for a her final PET scan, make sure everything was all clear. And she is all thumbs up, all in the clear. Hashtag fuck cancer. Hashtag you can't fuck with the parlay princess. Shout out to our girl, Abby Turner, battling that. And I cannot wait to come down and see you and Butson in Florida. Honestly, it's great news. Uh, she's been one of our sports from the beginning. And we're just so happy for her personal or first of all, and seriously go out to her website. She's so talented. It's, it's crazy. And it actually had me thinking this week, a great way for us and Abby to actually kind of work together a little bit. Maybe we can work out an idea where maybe the worst uh, a picker of the two of us this next year might have to go and do an awkward photo shoot with Abby and make that a punishment where it's almost like you remember like the firefighters would do like their seductive calendar poses. Yes, I yes, almost of want like us to, Yeah. Like to do like almost like a body issue or something like that, where it'd be hilarious, but with just us. So it's something to think about if you guys would like to see this maybe, or do that, maybe we can reach out to her and see if that's something that she'd be interested in. But again, Abby, we're so happy for you. We're so proud of you and couldn't have happened to a better person. This is awesome. Honestly, they go through enough. I think the last thing they need is us in a seductive pose or lingerie or clothing shredding down a runway. Well, it's going to just break apart relationships all over the globe. Oh, absolutely. But we're gambling men and I'm willing to roll the dice on that. So I'm all in on that. Wally, Allie, we're kind of putting, or Abby, Allie, Abby, we're kind of putting you on the spot here. So you just let me know, shoot me a text, DM, we'll get this going. 
for sure. <laughs> now, a little bit on the sadder side of news here before we dive into the rest of the NFL news. I'm sure everyone's heard over the weekend that Cardinals quarterback Jeff Gladney and his girlfriend, Andrea Mercedes Palacios, had died in a car accident, both at the age of 25 over the weekend. A former first-round pick for the Minnesota Vikings, he was released last August over felony assault charges that he was later found not guilty in. And he was expected to be kind of that guy potentially at the cornerback position. Um, at the end of the day, it's extremely heartbreaking. Um, not only one, two 25-year-olds um, dead, taken away way too soon. And it seems seems to be, uh, unfortunately, a trend in athletics. It feels like every other week we have a young potential stutter star on the rise losing their life too soon. It just goes to show that you can't take any day for granted. I know that this is also coming pretty fresh off of the Dwayne Haskins news. And the, I mean, these are young men at this point. And in this case, obviously a young woman as well. It's all you can do is thoughts and, and prayers to this family and hope to God that they can find some peace in this. I, I feel terrible too. Glad he left behind a one-year-old son. It sounds like he was a, a very attentive and a very loving father too. And you just have to hope the best for, for that kid who's going to be growing up without a dad now. It's it's just hard. There, there's not really a – it's not a fun way to start the show, but it's something we had to address at the top. A very talented young man taken out in the prime of his life. And, and you don't know what else to say. It's, it's just terrible. And, again, just hope that the families can find some peace in this. Absolutely. Well, let's let's get the energy up here a little bit. Uh, we had a couple free agent signings. I would one of them is not free agent, but it looks like Cleveland was a little bit busy here this past week. Uh, first one on the docket, we have Jadavion Clowney getting to stay in Cleveland, going for his third straight one-year deal, second straight with the team. Uh, this this contract is going to be worth up to ten million dollars, including roughly around seven hundred and fifty k sack-based in, incentives. But man, will this finally be the year that Clowney can get the his big payday next season and finally get that giant second contract, a former first round pick, not getting a giant second contract is amazing to me. Do you think that this could be the year that can catapult them to finally do that next off season, Wally? Playing opposite of miles Garrett's going to have its perks and he's going to have better opportunities. And I do think that that's a large reason why he did come back. He's alluded that he had 14 and $15 million offers on the table that he declined now, I'd be interested to know what the guaranteed money would be because I would imagine Cleveland offered him a pretty high-end deal here. It works out best for both sides. I mean, the Browns would have had Chase Winovich being their number two edge, and now he can kind of be more of that value third rotational guy. That's a good spot, I think, for, for both sides of this deal. And I think the Browns would love to have the problem of having to figure out how to replace him or pay him next offseason with a 12 or 13 sack year but we've never seen him even get to 10 so I'm starting to wonder if it's just we know what he is now he's a freak athlete that shows flashes of that number one pick but he's never really going to top out that potential that we expected of him no and, and it's unfortunate and it's and it's funny because we you keep talking about well he's got Miles Garrett it's going to be no it's going to obviously take a lot of stress off of him maybe a couple double teams here and there he also started his career with J.J. Watt, so he's never had that ability to actually be that lead guy in the DN spot. And if he was, it was in Tennessee, and we all know that. We all know how bad uh, of a year he had in Tennessee and just basically almost threw it out the window. I want to say he played eight games, had like four tackles for losses the whole entire year. So his numbers, like we said, he's never hit double-digit sacks. But for a guy, we're expecting at least nine, pushing on 10, and expect you on the field the whole time. 
there's only one way up. They have a nice little uh, committee here at the DM position. So I think it's going to be good. You're going to keep his legs fresh between Clowney, uh, Winovich, then obviously the beast, Miles Garrett himself. So this is only going to be helping that Browns defense. And I don't know. I'm thinking next year we're going to see maybe a two-year deal and he stays with Cleveland. But you're turning down 14 and 15 when you're seeing Von Miller getting paid 20-plus. That's still got to sting a little bit. Yeah, we'll bring it up later in the show as well. But had, or I mean, I guess they're probably still going to be in that defensive tackle veteran market as the free agency cycle. Crazy. It still is, I guess, talent rich as it is right now. The guys like Ndamukong Sue could be a potential landing spot there. But again, we'll get to that later in the show when we talk about the guys like Akeem Hicks and what that means for defensive tackles throughout the rest of the league. But another Cleveland Browns move this week that I, I don't know if I'd say was necessarily surprising. It was the dollar amount that got people looking. And it's that their franchise tag tight end, David Njoku, he signed a four-year extension up to $56.75 million to remain as a Brown. And that includes $28 million guaranteed in $11.5 million signing bonus. He's now the fifth highest paid tight end in a league, and he's only 25 years old, which is crazy. That just shows how young he was coming into the league. But he's a guy that being paid the fifth amount, or, or I guess top five tight end money, can make you almost uh, scratch your head a little when you look at the production you've seen on the field. He did take some big steps a few years ago, especially as a blocker. But this is a guy that's only had more than 36 catches and 475 yards once in his career. Do you think this is a move that as the tight ends get paid over the next few years, this kind of works itself out to being one of those, it's just the market we're in right now? Or do you think that the Browns inevitably overpaid here? It's almost like it's a Band-Aid for overpaying for Austin Hooper here about three years ago. Now, he was released back in March. He's ended up in Tennessee. So this was the guy all along, right? He was there. He was a second-year vet going in. Oh, now they have Austin Hooper, and we're going to send him behind here. We also are going to draft Harrison Bryant, who's an absolute stud as well. So I don't think, I don't think they're overpaying right now and then obviously the next couple of years it's going to look genius when you have the likes of whatever Kyle Pitts is going to turn into looking for a new contract I'm sure but see what TJ Hawkinson's contract is going to look like I'm I want to say Tyler Higby's probably up there we'll see if George Kittle gets another fat contract we'll see if Travis Kelsey's going to get another one there's a lot of key pieces here um, that could be moving where you know we said it before especially with the wide receiver position this is going to look or you know Jari Alexander and all the cornerback uh, contracts. This is going to look really good in a couple of years, and I don't think it really looks bad right now. It's well, a it's a good piece. The biggest question mark he had was his hands, which I think he's still kind of a question mark, but not as much as it has been in the past. I think that's a good guy, someone you want, and like you said, now you have depth, not as much with Austin Hooper, which what the fuck was he doing anyway? But now you got him and Harrison Bryant. I think it's it's going to be a nice contract, and if they got to cut him loose because of production, like you said, say he doesn't eclipse the 500 uh, yard mark again. It's going to, it's not going to be a lot of dead money for the Browns. So I think it's a win-win for both of them. No. And, and with Deshaun Watson, regardless of the off the field stuff, depending on where and when he is available, they are basically banking on the fact that now you're going to have the best on field quarterback that he's ever played with. You would imagine that his numbers will move up, especially when you consider the, the wide receivers on the Browns, it's a little thin right now, so they're going to want David and Joku to really step up this year and hopefully – As if they use their wide receivers the last two years outside of jet sweeps and a <laughs> uh, little fake jet sweeps quarterback pass from Jarvis Landry. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, Jarvis Landry, best quarterback in the league. But <laughs> I do think that if whether it be Watson or whoever it's going to be in there, they're going to be looking at him to be a more vital part of the offense going forward. And if, I mean, he has the intangibles. If he can put it all together, there's no reason to believe this guy can't be a fringe top five tight end in the league. So I, I'm very okay with this move if I'm Cleveland. And like you said, he's tw- he's a 25-year-old, right? He's got a lot of experience, mm-hmm. right? That's five years, 25. The dude, I think he's going to be fine. And I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a very, very giant leap this year. Doesn't matter who your quarterback is. If it's going to be Deshaun Watson, if it's going to be Jacoby Brissett, or God forbid it's got to be Baker again somehow. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... We'll, we'll probably be getting more into that next week. It sounds like there's a very good chance before our next show, we have an answer to the quarterback position in, in Cleveland, or at least a better idea, which we'll talk about more there. But Steven, staying in the North, the AFC North, that is, the Steelers veteran defensive tackle and kind of hybrid, Stefan Tuitt, he's hanging it up after seven years in the league. He had a career high 11 sacks in 2020 before missing all of last season with a knee injury. He it, A little bit more background, if you guys aren't familiar at home, he his brother tragically passed away in a hit and run last year. And it sounds like that's been weighing on him a lot. And it's a large reason of him stepping away, wanting to be more involved with his family. He just recently got his Notre Dame diploma and he wants to basically take his talents beyond football. And and for that, I mean, good for him. Everybody here in Pittsburgh media wise have only talked about how much class and how great this person was. And even taking a step back on the football field, it is a big loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, huge loss for their defense. I mean, he, between between him, almost said almost said Casey Hayward. Between him and Cameron Hayward, I mean, they have just that D line has just been dominant. And he's been one of those. He has that Draymond Green effect. It feels like he's been there for like 15, 20 years, but he's just made such an impact. So like just instantly when he came in the league, he, he's just one of those guys. And like he said, career high in sacks with 11 and 20, 24. That hor- the horrific knee injury he missed out on, and you can even tell. The 11th ranked rush defense in 2020 turns into dead last without Tua as well as Alu Alu. I think I finally got that right, Wally. It's only I'm been about two and a half years of doing that show, but we but we we're fucking here, bud. We got it. Uh, now it doesn't matter with the with or with the emergence of TJ Watt. They're going to be relying heavy on their third rounder, uh, Demarvin Leal, as well as second rounder Isaiah Loudermilk. Great fucking name, by the way. So we'll see. And if you know anything about those damn Pittsburgh Steelers, not only can they produce a defense for some reason, their D line is their and their front sevens are just constantly filthy. Something in that AFC North water between the Steelers and the Ravens that they just pump out the front seven montage of just monsters. I don't get it. If I was an AFC guy, maybe I'd be a little bit more happier, but congrats to Stefan Tuit on an amazing career. Maybe we'll see him in the booth here. Maybe maybe you're going to see him more likely since you are in Pittsburgh. Maybe he's more of a local uh, Steelers booth guy. I will say this as well. With Tyson Alu-Alu back, defense, at least in the run game, should get better. But Stefan it really is invaluable. He was a guy that could play inside or outside. It's why I did mention both defensive end and tackle. And DeMarvin Leal is going to be more of that edge guy. So it's going to – it surprises you a little. It feels like the Steelers probably were expecting him to be back. And now that he isn't, they didn't really do as much in the offseason at that position as I think they would have liked. And I saw Andrew Filippone even pose the question earlier today that if they had known this 
48, 72 hours ago, could they have found themselves in the Akeem Hicks sweepstakes instead of him ending up in Tampa Bay? But you're right. You mentioned the front sevens. This is a team that also brought in Miles Jack, trying to get a little resurgence there as well in his career. This defense should still be good. It's just now there are question marks there. And with an offense that's probably going to have subpar or at best average quarterback play, still a kind of met offensive line, there's real reason to believe the Steelers are going to finish fourth in the AFC North. I could not agree with you more. Their defense is obviously going to be what is going to be driving them, but Mr. Trubisky, nah, he ain't it. <laughs> Pittsburgh boy, nah, tiny hands, you're not it, right? No, it doesn't matter who is in there. Their defense is just going to be on the field so much that they're not even going to be able to shine their full potential. But we're talking about the Akeem Hicks sweepstakes here. He ends up signing a one-year up to $10 million deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here earlier today. First thing that ran through my mind, actually, first two things. Yes, Akeem Hicks is fucking finally out of Chicago. Don't have to deal with him anymore within the division. Second, I feel so bad for anyone on the schedule, Green Bay, and in the NFC South, because now you have to not only deal with Akeem Hicks, but Vita Vea as that front four. I mean, my goodness. Now, I think that this is probably most likely closing the door in Ndamukong and Sue return here. We're seeing a lot of rumors about potentially Vegas. Maybe he's going to go to Pittsburgh now, but let's backtrack here. How do you like the signing of Akeem Hicks going with the Bucs and teaming up here with Vita Vea? When he's on the field at this stage of his career, he's a better defensive tackle than Ndamukong Sue. The only issue is, is Akeem Hicks has had a little bit of injury problems the last three seasons. 2019, he missed 11 games. 2020, he missed one. Last year, he missed eight more. I'm not a math guy, but what? That's 20 games in three seasons. It's starting to really rack up here. And that kind of got me digging into Ndamukong Sue and just a crazy stat I wasn't aware of. Outside of his suspensions really early in his career, he's never missed a game due to injury. At 300-plus pounds, at the position he plays, that is unbelievable to me. And someone's going to get a guy, yeah, there's diminishing returns now, but you're going to get a guy you know is going to be on the football field, and he seems like whenever it's big moments, he can still kind of go into that tank and pull out vintage and Dom can sue for a few plays a game. Whether that's Vegas, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, wherever, someone's going to get themselves a good one. If the Bucks though, they can keep picks on the field, you wrote it down here. That is a very scary one-two combo in that interior. And there's no reason, again, Tampa Bay is a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and they are loaded all over the field on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I'm not liking that too much. But like I said, watching Akeem Hicks for his for his career in the, in the NFC North just dismantling not only the Packers, the Lions, the Vikings, and basically any other offensive line that came in to Chicago or where, wherever he lined up, he was an absolute problem. He also has one of the funniest – funniest videos ever where he, he gets he gets a little bit late blocked after the whistle guy gives him a shove a key mix turns around and pushes a guy but ends up being the wrong guy he's like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry so it's it's funny being able to see such a large human you you know who they they're able to turn it on right between those white lines they're completely they're completely someone else so it's funny to see a key mix as large as he is be like yeah what oh i'm sorry oh my bad i it, it was the other guy i'm sorry i apologize <laughs> so it's fine it goes from a key mix to a tiny sprinkle of andrew luck there real quick which i can always get behind I, it's amazing i'm glad you brought that up just because these guys you watch it on hard knocks and you can kind of get more of the personality side of them 
where I think back to Tampa Bay with McCoy a few years back. He's this intellectual, oh, really, McCoy. and he's so intelligent. And you get him on the field, and there's just a switch. And they all of a sudden become the meanest people on the planet for 60 minutes over the course of a, a, a Sunday afternoon. And then they can kind of go back and compartmentalize it. It's hard to do. I can't imagine how they do it. But anyways, yeah, it, a great move. I, at least it looks like on paper for Tampa Bay. They have really, I guess, shown that they can harness veterans towards the end of their careers and get the most out of them. Feels like a home run for them. But, Stephen, why don't you tell us here about this next topic? I, I, you wrote it down here. Got you pretty fired up anyways. Oh, hell yeah, right? 30 for 30, now starting production for the 2000 Ravens Super Bowl team. I am jacked. I love this because it's it's one of those, like, just that bare minimum memory of them winning it, just kind of like the season going into it. But most importantly, I remember the Madden of having that with Ray Lewis on the cover. And I really hope I'm not wrong. So for some reason, nope. Mike he was Vick in 05. Over. I was going to say. Oh, he was? Yeah, that was like back in the golden era of the Madden and 2K. Same year as the Terrell Owens 2K5 game. Awesome oh, year for football. Fucking idiot. Anyway, <laughs> it's I just that peak of Ray Lewis. That's kind of really when I started loving football, wanted to play football. Ray Lewis was that reason. I mean, one of the greatest defenses ever. Fewest points allowed in a 16-game season with 165 and the lowest amount of rushing yards allowed ever. If you guys forgot about who was on this team, don't worry. I got you. Just a couple Hall of Famers like Ray Lewis, Jonathan Ogden. You had Rod Woodson in there, your boy. Also, your boy, Tony Saragusa. That fuck. Everyone's boy, Shannon Sharp. You had Jamal, Jamal Lewis. You got the sprinkling Brandon Stokely. Chris McAllister, but I want you to answer this. Trent Dilfer is the winning quarterback on that Super Bowl team. Is he the most unbearable person in the, in the history of a player-turned-broadcaster? Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, he's up there for sure. It's holy shit. Because you, you remember playing football, and you always had that one kid. He was all right athletically, but, man, he tried his heart out. And when he tried, he was still just not good. But then he thought he was, like, the shit and he was really cool and he'd always joke around with everyone but then when you joke around we'd all be like we fucking hate you trent banners fly forever steven 2000 he got Hold a on. ring are you backing up trent dilfer i uh, see okay i i are you just, backing up the backup and this is it feels a lot like the 85 bears because we can bring up the 2013 lob Seahawks. Though. i'm just saying the fact that you have a jim mcmahon in 85 it really does feel like a, an eerie parallel to Trent Dilfer in 2000. Best two defenses ever. You did mention before Ravens, 16-game season, 165 points. That's 10 points a game. That's insane. And then fewest rushing yards ever. The Bears, on the other hand, they had uh, played a few fewer games in a year. So they allowed the fewest points of all time and the fewest yards ever and also the most turnovers. The argument for both of those teams is crazy, especially when you go to their Super Bowl appearances – they both won in blowouts where the defense has shut down at least decent offense. I know the Giants weren't great. Their only points in that game were a kick return. What pissed me off is looking at this, and you guys will all have this playing on uh, our YouTube page if you're watching it. If not, I'd suggest you go out and pull up this YouTube clip and realize why I hate Tony Siragusa so much. In the AFC Championship game in 2000 in Oakland, 
Tony Siragusa basically dead weighted well after Rich Gannon released the ball and dislocated his shoulder, ending the game at that point. I don't know if the Raiders are going to win, but that was the best Raiders team in that early 2000 stretch. They lost three straight years to what would become the Super Bowl champion. They lost to that Ravens team in 2000. They lost to the Patriots in the Tuck World game in 2001, and they lose to the Bucs in the Super Bowl in 2002. It just is this constant reminder of what if. Because if Rich Gannon does survive that game, there's a real chance that the Raiders still win because the Raiders' defense was good enough. I think they lost that game. It was either like 13-3 or 20-3 because their offense was 20 years ago. Stop living in the past. I can't. That's all I have right now is the past. So, I okay, great, great defense. I understand why people would argue best ever, but I will never forgive Tony Siragusa. It was a dirty play. Anybody who watched it can't deny it was a dirty play. I thought it was clean. It just you played to the whistle. It just so happened that yeah. you were playing so hard he couldn't hear the whistle. Dead weighted. I'm sure you guys have seen it at home by now. Tired of it. Whatever. I'm done with talking about him. Well, if you're done talking about him, I'm I'm getting annoyed just talking about uh, this this thing next up here. We got Colin Kaepernick working out with the Las Vegas Raiders here. I guess potentially he can be in that Marcus Mariota role where we have that kind of that small amount of plays in the playbook designed just for him. But honestly, I am just it, – it goes from Cam Newton to Colin Kaepernick with this. Just the dude cannot play. I just – he isn't good. Yes, was he good with the first couple years he came in? Absolutely. He was great. But after that, his aura kind of fell off, and he was just a average quarterback at best. And people seem to forget that, and they're putting, obviously, the social justice that he was standing up for in front of that, which I get. I understand. But now it's like – it's so long after now we're bringing them in, like making it, making it seem like that's going to make amends of everything. The dude can't fucking play. The last thing the Las Vegas Raiders need after that tumultuous season media wise last year is this media thunderstorm. That's in my opinion. That's your team though. what did you feel about the workout, him potentially signing? No, we haven't really heard too much of it since we've got the update about the workout, but I want to hear your two cents, Walter. Well, first of all, the Raiders history, we know very much. I've talked about it on this podcast at nauseum about how they're kind of a trendsetter team where they had first woman in front office, they had the first black head coach, first Latin American head coach, first openly gay player on their team. They've kind of like been this pioneer in some aspects of the social world in the NFL. So that part, I don't think it's that surprising. I mean, Mark Davis has been talking about it for years now that he would be fine if the Raiders decided that Colin Kaepernick would help the team win. You're right, though. I, I do think that it is important to say that in his final two seasons with the 49ers, he had a, a quarterback record. Remember, that is a quarterback record. You only can control what you are as a quarterback, but they were 3-16 and 16 in his final 19 starts, and he was under 60% completion percentage in both of those years. The question turns into... Is Colin Kaepernick a better backup quarterback than Nick Mullins and Jarrett Stidham? I don't know. It's been five years. I think that I'm not worried about the actual uh, media backlash and distraction part of this. Maybe in the, the media world and people like us talk about it, it might seem like one. I don't think that's going to be a factor. I think that Colin Kaepernick is at the point in his career where he understands if he's going to play in the NFL again, he's not going to probably be the guy unless there's an injury and he can possibly get that chance back. 
if he's signed by the Raiders, it's not like Derek Carr's job is in jeopardy. I, I know oh, that. It is. Yeah, of course, right? But Derek Carr, oh, he's going to be in that quarterback room knowing it's his team. They just signed him yet again. And I'm not worried about it. So if the Raiders think that Colin Kaepernick is the better option as a backup quarterback, I wouldn't surprise me, especially with those guys I mentioned before ahead of him. Yeah, you're bringing in a 32, 33-year-old guy who hasn't thrown a pass even, in the league. I think he might like, even be 34 now. Has a th- thank you. Hasn't thrown a pass in the league in about four or five seasons. Why? This isn't bringing in Vinny Testaverde in one week because all four of your quarterbacks got hurt. Shout out to the Carolina Panthers when they did that. That shit was hilarious. Testaverde was also like 45. Let's remember exactly. that. <laughs> yes. And to answer your question, I think Nick Mullins is better. Jared Stidham, I haven't seen enough, but I've seen Nick Mullins play. I think that's a solid That's a solid backup quarterback. Mm. Mm. You think solid? So, yes, I've seen him play. Now, granted, he was in the San Francisco. Watch um, him play when he's not playing the Raiders. That was the whole reason we signed him, is that we don't have to worry about playing Nick Mullins in week like 13 and he beats us 31 to three again for whatever reason if he played the Raiders every week the guy would be a starting quarterback in the league when he plays everybody else he's dirt so no he, he took the Packers to the brink a couple years ago on a Monday night game so I'm like who the fuck is this Nick Mullins guy and then I found out that he almost like his mentor is Brett Favre he went to Southern Miss where he where Brett Favre went to and I was like oh shit what did we get ourselves into here honestly trade him Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers straight up I want him now we're done with all the NFL stories. We do have some, but we kind of want to do a little bit of a rapid fire here. The longest one minute in history. We want to do rapid fire, but you also have two of the most talkative people talking about a, a sport fair. that they love. Very fair. First one up here, we got the Arizona Cardinals getting the nod for the midseason hard knocks that starts in November. Really basically trails them all the way. I want to say week 16, week 15, week 16. After watching the Indianapolis Colts, it was obviously a huge hit last year. How do you feel about the Arizona Cardinals getting it this year? God, I keep being Debbie Raincloud on these NFL stories because the match don't care about. Mid-season hard knocks, who gives a shit? I don't care. I can't believe that people actually watched the Colts win last year. You have so much going on in the fall. You have football, live football. You have hockey. You have basketball. So much is going on at that time of year. Why am I going to sit down and watch the Arizona Cardinals who are going to be like seven and five and nobody like cool. They might make a wild card. Maybe they might miss. It's going to be boring. I, I at least was like, maybe the Colts have a shot. Cause last year I'm like, they'll be playing in that division race. It's not like the Cardinals are going to be competing with the Rams. I don't think they're going to be competing with the 49ers. This couldn't be less of a miss for me. More of a miss. Excuse me. I find it fun because the Arizona Cardinals, you can even bring back and you can put the blame on Cliff Kingsbury. They love the second half season meltdowns. It's happened every year Kyler's been in. Happened back in Cliff Cliff Kingsbury in college, he just simply – he starts hot and then just simmers down. So, if that's going to be the same thing here, we're going to be actually watching live Cliff Kingsbury week by week getting closer to the axe, and it's going to be hysterical. And with the drama that Kyler Murray had here in the offseason, we got the DeAndre Hopkins suspension the first few games this year. It's going to be interesting to see what the energy is like. But I do want to – I am going to love seeing J.J. Watt in there. Madden 23 cover finding release. And, of course, they got this one right. One legendary 
Mr. John Madden on the cover here. That's your guy. And I want to say he's got the Raiders fit on there, or it is Raiders John Madden. I'm not even going to ask you what you think. How right is it? You drilled it. It's 100% right. And the fact that they even went back to the original cover, it's the original photo remastered, perfect home run, couldn't have done this any better. Jock Peterson slapped by Tommy Pham over fantasy football disputes. Baseball stays relevant through football. I don't even know where to begin with this. Is Tommy fan all of us for being this upset over fantasy football? Or is this guy got a screw loose? A little bit of both. I want to know what exactly happened in the fantasy football that caused them to do this. Cause let's be real. We always want to, is it maybe, uh, maybe it was a little bit of a bad trade on there. And he kind of lured them into it. I don't know. Maybe he was the commissioner and he deducted half a point. He ends up losing the championship by point two. I'm not really sure. We need a little bit more of a backstory here. Oh, yeah. I Wanna got one for you. I got one for you. You ready to hear this? So, God, you're apparently, right you're, you're killing it. Fam was upset with Jock Peterson because he was taking people that would be ruled out for the upcoming week and putting them on injured reserve so that he could go and sign somebody on the waiver wire while still holding on to his starters. Apparently, he was upset with the commissioner for not making it a rule. Peterson had text proof that, hey, this was a picture in here. This is actually by the rules. I'm okay with it. And then, fam, a court, on top of that, apparently he was getting some kind of uh, meme making fun of the San Diego Padres, the team he was on last year. All of it boiled over. This guy's kind of had a screw loose his entire baseball career, so it probably yeah. makes sense. But, I mean, this is just funny because it's is relatable as baseball seems to get is in it's a football thing then we had jeff wilson jr here for the san francisco 49ers thanking the giants uh jock peterson for quote-unquote taking one for the team in fantasy football with the dispute with tommy uh so i find that hilarious but i mean there has to be a lot melted over we're in june at that time it's may fantasy football has been done for five months what the hell this dude was pissed i don't think i could ever be that mad actually i probably could but yeah, apparently he quit like midway through the season too in the fantasy league because of this dispute. So there was oh, some real okay. bad blood. This is this is an anti-Jock Peterson. I don't care. Whoa, you whoa. Don't I was going to say, Fam is the one that quit. Fam is the one that quit. Oh, anti-Peterson anti and Fam. We're <laughs> done. You never quit. You try to will yourself to win, even though all the rules and everything's against you, just so you can rub it in their face more. Not quit. You know what? I'd slap Tommy Pham too, that little bitch. That's bullshit. The commander got slapped. I'm team Jock. Team Jock. Oh, God. I'm reading this wrong. I'm an absolute nightmare right now. People think off for Wally. My God. We'll move on to the next one. The commanders reportedly purchased 200 acres of land in Virginia for a potential stadium. It was over 100 mil for the land, but they're also looking at another 60 to 70 acre plots of land. They've been at FedEx Field since 1997. The contract is through 2026. So we'll see what we'll see what happens when they get the new owners, if they do get new owners. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you said it at the end. I'm kind of just hoping, I'm willing this to happen by putting this on here, that the next owner is going to have a really fun new toy to play with. It takes, what, 24 of the 32 owners to vote an owner out. I know that that's like doomsday for them because that would probably get Snyder to go on a torched earth I guess, approach to try to unearth other problems in the league on his way out. But I just want that to happen at this point. I want him gone. And 
FedEx Field is such a disaster. I think Washington deserves better. That city deserves better. Everybody deserves better except for Dan Snyder. Yeah, Dan Snyder is an absolute chotch. Also an anti-Dan Snyder podcast. Disavowed. And exactly. And that will bring us to an end of another episode of Loss of Down. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Loss of Down, and our Twitter, down underscore loss. Remember, this episode was brought to you by tabbies.com and Abby Turner Creative. Wally, what are your parting words for the people? I've got a bachelor party this upcoming weekend in Vegas. I... I'm just hemorrhaging money at this point. It's great, but I'm really, really hoping that I can win a little bit back. I'm going to be betting a lot of playoff hockey. If you ever even entertain the idea of getting into hockey, this Western conference final is going to be a series for the ages offense out the ass. People complain about hockey being boring. It's the same thing they do with soccer. We're talking, they just had an eight, six game. Edmonton just had the craziest second round series I've ever seen that only lasted five games. Arguably the best two players in the league right now, Nathan McKinnon and Connor McDavid. I'm fired up, bet overs left and right, and bet the Lightning to beat those damn rags in four or five games. That's all I got. I want to double double down with Wally and the Avalanche and Oilers. The over was seven and a half, and they hit that before the halfway mark. It was 12 minutes about 13 minutes left in the second period, and they had scored their eighth goal. And let alone that, the Avalanche scored, edited, the score ended eight to six. The Avalanche hit the over them damn selves. That was so, yeah, plus money. I'm locking in on that. I'm locking in on that. Hey, Amen. Sure that's a plus it. money over, too, like you said. And, and the puck line was plus money, too. So I appreciate that, Wally, because the rest of my parlays did not hit because of a couple things. Tanya, lightning, too. Hammer to lightning. The, the Rangers can only be third-string goalies because they're a bunch of fugazis, a bunch of bums. I can't wait it. It, it. They're worthless. They are worthless. You heard me last week. Bet everything against the Rangers. They have no chance to get through the bolts. None. Well, make sure you take the Warriors game one here. That is going to be tomorrow, Thursday. I want to say 9 p.m. Eastern, which is dog shit. That's when every single game of the NBA Finals is. So I don't know if I'm going to watch more than collectively two games. Like quarterback, I'm gonna watch all the first quarter. So six o'clock for me in Vegas, though. You're gonna be sitting pretty. I might have to make you uh help me out with placing some bets. But until next time, I am Steve, he is Wally. This is loss of down.